You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. I've been telling you for a long time that SaveWithConrad.com can save you money, but don't take my word for it. Now, Jeremy, what made you come to Save with Conrad in the first place? My my credit wasn't as perfect when I first got my mortgage, and it, it, it had improved over the years time that I had been paying on it. Skipping the next few house payments was in, you know, a big um, part of that because it was right at Christmas time. It came in helpful. And then I got a better interest rate, and uh, I cut, uh, what, five years off my mortgage, and it only increased my payment by 50 bucks, a little less than 50 bucks, so... Can't beat it. And what was your favorite part with working with our team? I think working with Derek was was the best. Just just for what I said, he did a great job. Was very responsive. Text messages, called me on the weekends, give me updates. But uh, yeah, everything was really the same rate. Now, if there was anything else that we could do differently, um, what would you suggest? Boy, that's tough. I think uh, Conrad and his group runs a pretty good uh, shift there. Um, hmm. I don't really know that I have anything, honestly. In the, uh, in the future, is, is there a friend or a family member that you would recommend Save with Conrad to? I most certainly will. I, I absolutely will. So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the 500s can be approved. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. Oh, and did I mention you could skip your next two house payments? Hurry to savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Arn. And of course, our master of ceremonies is the Hall of Famer, the founder of the Four Horsemen, the enforcer himself, Double A, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? I'm hanging in there, buddy. Just like the rest of the world, where uh, hopefully everybody out there is pulling together and doing the right things and protecting their family and everybody else around them. I hope uh, all our listeners are safe and healthy and We'll get through this thing together. That's for sure. Strange times, but, uh, we can, we can go ahead and count on one thing. Arn and I are going to be with you the whole step of the way. He is safe and sound at his house. I'm at mine. So we're social distancing and we're talking a little wrestling and we're trying to take your mind off things, give you a fun escape today. And we're going to get in our way back machine. 10 years, man. Extreme rules. 2010 is our topic today. It went down April 25th at the first Mariner arena in Baltimore, Maryland got a sellout here 12,278 fans 
We're going to talk a little bit about extreme rules, but first Baltimore, man, that's uh that's old Crockett and horseman country, isn't it? That's a great wrestling town. Those folks around there really support wrestling. They get into it. One of our favorite places to go over the years. And, uh, the fans give you back tenfold what you give them. Yeah. It's a great, great city for wrestling. This is the uh, second extreme rules pay-per-view it started the previous year. This is uh, a joint show. This is in the era where there are raw pay-per-views and there are SmackDown pay-per-views. This is going to be both or on the heels of WrestleMania 26, where we saw John Cena beat Batista for the WWE title. We also saw the undertaker beat Shawn Michaels for the second time at WrestleMania in a row. And he sends him packing into retirement. Uh, we recently did a full show on WrestleMania 26, which is available in our archives, but let's talk about some news and notes as we head into the company, uh, the company's big pay-per-view post WrestleMania. Meltzer would write in the observer that uh, neither Linda nor Vince were at the WrestleMania post-match party. Um, this is a little unusual because we've, we've as fans heard that there's one big blowout WWE party every year. And it's, uh, the night of WrestleMania at the conclusion of the show, there's always a post-match party and the McMahons were usually at it, at least in this era, neither Vince nor Linda are here. Of course, Vince was uh, taking all those shots in his match with Brett. So maybe that had something to do with it. Did you, what can you tell us about the WrestleMania post-match party? And, and was it curious that Vince and Orlando were here this time? Well, it, it, you know, they really big time spared no expense. It was a world-class wingding really was, uh, you know, from the ice sculptors with shrimp dangling from everywhere to all kinds of seafood, prime rib, open bar tab, you know, it was mostly for the talent. Vince would make a quick appearance every now and then. Some years he would not show up. Some years he would. Imagine after that beating he took from the entire uh, extended Hart family, he probably was not in the mood to go eat shrimp and prime rib and uh, have cocktails, but who knows? Uh, but it was really done up well for the talent. The talent appreciated it. It was one of those things that was as first class as you can get. Let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, a member of our wrestling fam. Who's no longer with us. Lance Cade. He actually, uh, goes on to pass away on August 13th, 2010, but he's cut from the WWE here. And a lot of people assume it's because there may have been some substance issues, but allegedly uh, one of the big issues was Vince was upset that he thought Cade wasn't taking something seriously and apparently lost his cool and is frustrated with him and starts yelling at him. Lance didn't respond well to that and thought it would be better if he just left the building. So he winds up leaving and supposedly sort of the straw that broke the camel's back was when Shawn Michaels is upset with him. Apparently, uh, he did the, the favor for Lance and, uh, it was a tag match and, and he, uh, he dropped the fall to Lance. And then afterwards he left before they had an opportunity to talk and, and given Michael standing, he probably felt like Lance should have came and thanked him. And either way, one week later, he's, uh, he's out of here. What do you remember about Lance Cade? You know, obviously you can't speak to any sort of personal demons, but the, the trials and tribulations of trying to navigate WWE politics of if Vince yells at you, you just got to fucking grin and bear it and take it. And if a guy like Shawn Michaels puts you over, you should pay your respects or you're out of here. That is a montage of 
questions you ask, I will try to answer them all. Number one, loved Lance Kate. I know that he was young at the time. Don't remember exactly, but I know that he was very young, uh, inexperienced. Him and Trevor Murdoch made a damn good team. I challenge anybody to question that. They were very good. And uh, Lance looked apart. He looked like somebody Vince would like. Uh, he really did. Good kid was in good shape, took care of himself, got in that tanning bed, young, handsome kid. And they were a very good team. I think he was a um, student of Shawn Michaels. That's right. At his, So it didn't get any better than that as far as being trained from the ground up by Shawn Michaels. And I know Shawn would – was trying to coach him along and, and groom him and do all the things without. So you got to be very careful with it. If it's a family member or it's a good friend in this industry and you try to give them what is perceived as too much of a leg up or too much help or leaning that way, it can work against you. And, and Sean was very careful about that. Him and Hunter, I believe, as DX, put those guys over one night, did they not? That's right television uh -huh. that's as good as it gets now if he got bombed coming through the curtain for a guy his age with his limited experience and a nice kid on top of that if he got met at gorilla and got bombed by vince he would have been i would think close to hysterical because you know suddenly beating Shawn michaels and dx goes away when you're confronted with something like that, because it is not fun. It reaches down into your manhood. It reaches into your guts and it leaves you basically in a position where no matter what you say in rebuttal is not going to be correct. So there's that frustration as well. So I can see that he would have probably got his ass chewed out uh, about what I don't remember or recall, or if it was real, or if it, or if it was not, if it was justified. But him leaving the arena, you know, I can see that, you know, because you're in a position where nothing you say is going to be correct. So what do you do? And I'm sure knowing him on the level that I knew him, it probably just crushed him. And uh, it was no disrespect meant for Sean. It may have came across that way to Sean, but Sean hadn't been in a position to have his ass chewed out by Vince either, so he doesn't know that side of the coin. Um, that's my take on it, but I thought he was a good kid. He was a huge loss to mankind. He was just a sweet, nice young man, and he was a, um, he was a loss to the company. Very sorry to hear about him. He was taken from us way too soon. Yeah, just uh, I don't even know that he was quite 30 yet. He may have been right at 30, but still a, a very young man, as you said, when we lose him. And more bad news than the Observer, uh, we would lose former WCW wrestler Canyon. Uh, he would pass away on April 2nd from an apparent suicide. Uh, you worked with Canyon uh, a little bit in the WWF, but probably spent more time with him uh, in WCW. What do we not know about Chris, the guy behind the character that you wish was out there? Anything? Well, you know, Chris did everything he possibly could 
um, to be as good as he could. And he was. He was very talented. You know, he, he had the mortis gimmick, which was met, I would say, 50-50 by our fan base, whether they liked it or accepted it or didn't. But, I mean, he could do some really good stuff. And uh, I was never a, uh, a guy that got into a guy's personal life. And, you know, people knew that, that were in the business, and they wouldn't come. And we wouldn't sit down and talk about a guy's personal life, his family, or whatever, it being someone else, a third-party conversation. Now, if somebody needed to talk to me about things that were going on in his personal life and, and wanted to talk to me, sure. But I guess, Chris, and I guess that's why I wasn't up to speed with it, I guess had a lot of personal demons in his life, was having a really hard time dealing with who and what he was. And, and uh, you know, as far as in his mind— he was confused, and uh, in this in this business, you got to be clear-headed if you're going to achieve what you want to achieve. No matter how much talent you have, you're you're you can get in your own way. And I guess you know, Chris just was uh, an embattled person, an embattled soul, a tortured soul, whatever you want to put it. And before you knew it, he was gone. It kind of took me by shock because I thought he had a lot on the ball and that he was going to do well in the business. And uh, because he really put his time into it, worked his ass off, and did some really good stuff. It just it just turned out to be another one of those tragedies that you went, holy smokes, I never saw that coming. Something else that uh, a lot of people didn't see coming was a WrestleMania story in the observer Meltzer would write a WrestleMania story that never came out as Keith Hart refused to take part in the Vince versus Brett lumberjack match. I don't know the reasons other than he had only agreed to come for the hall of fame to honor his father. The few people in the family I heard from about the match kind of recognized going in that the nature of the psychology wasn't making sense. The idea of the match was that since Brett couldn't take any shots to the head, they wanted him on offense. And the idea to use the match was to elevate the Hart dynasty to become real players in the tag team scene and start the affiliation with Brett, as well as blow off the Mr. McMahon character and kind of baby face him at the end, but figuring, uh, it wouldn't turn Brett heel since that would nerve, that wouldn't serve any purpose. Keith Hart is a guy we haven't heard a lot about as wrestling fans, unless you grew up maybe, uh, you know, as a stampede fan. Do you know Keith? Did you ever spend any time with Keith? Any stories of Keith? Nothing. I have no knowledge of him whatsoever. Uh, never worked for for their company, you know. And it's like even the limited time that I was in the WWF, I was not around Brett much, and I wasn't around Owen hardly at all. In those days, you were kind of had your traveling partners, and as soon as the show was over you were on your way to the next town. There was a very little downtime and you would get to the arena for a house show. Now remember TV was only every three weeks. So every night was a house show. You would get there at six 30, you get ready, you do your match, you get in the car, you take off to the next town. So there wasn't a lot of downtime with those guys, Keith. I don't know anything about whatsoever. Uh, but if he didn't want to be involved, it didn't take a brain surgeon to figure out when they heard what was laid out for that match, that that was going to turn into a cluster and boy, did it. Yes, it did. Shit. Damn it. 
those are the sounds I used to make whenever I would cut my balls shaving, but I don't anymore. Thanks to manscaped manscaped. Thank you so much for turning my loud shrieks into multiple peaks. And listen, we've all had a little manscaping accident once before. You know what I'm talking about? You got a little too close for comfort. Ding. No, now nicks and cuts. They're a thing of the past. Thanks to the brand new lawnmower 3.0 from manscaped. It's their third generation trimmer. It still features the same great skin safe technology to keep those bad boys nice and smooth. And the engineering team has spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. We're talking about, of course, the lawnmower 3.0. The battery will last up to 90 minutes. It's even got an LED light, which you really need. And let's not forget about the fast charging stand. It's a rapid charging dock powered by USB. And, uh, when a lady comes through your house, she's going to know you are ready for business. A lot of folks are telling us they're having great luck with this new lawnmower 3.0. You got to try it for yourself, but please don't send us before and after photos. That's a real thing. We're trying to avoid get your own. This is a real story. We, uh, we got Arn Anderson, one of these and his son wanted one, right? Uh, they can't share one. You need your own and get your own with free shipping and 20% off. When you use our promo code ARN, manscaped.com, of course, is where you'll pick it up. One more time, you'll get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code ARN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use the promo code ARN. Your partner, your dick, and your balls will thank you. But get your own at manscaped.com. Let's talk about the Extreme Rules show. There's one dark match. It's an interpromotional match. It's Kofi Kingston getting a win over Dolph Ziggler with trouble in paradise, man, two, uh, two of the most talented performers in a dark match. I'd like to say that, uh, man, I don't know. It's just interesting to see two big talents like this. They're going to go on to be world champions. I guess everybody starts somewhere, but these guys were already showing what they were capable of in 2010. Were they not? Of course, you know, of course they were, but Conrad, you can't question this cause there isn't an answer, right? If you if you really try to dissect it and go back and ask somebody that was in a, in a position to book that match where it was, they won't have an answer for you that makes any sense because it doesn't make any sense. Let's talk about the way the show starts after uh, I don't know not their greatest video package uh, to to get us started. Triple H's music starts the show and it just caught me off guard. Like wait a minute, Triple H is in the opening match, but. Alas, he doesn't come out. Instead, we see a confused announce desk and then we cut backstage and we see Seamus and triple H brawling. Of course, Seamus gets the better of him, hits him in uh, the neck with a pipe a couple of times, lays triple H out. And now they're teasing the idea that the match won't take place, but they do it in a way where you expect it to happen, but maybe not right now, maybe a little later. And I guess the goal here is to try to elevate Seamus as a tippy top guy. Um, he's still very new in, in the WWE, uh, universe as it were. And now we're trying to position him with the top guy. And it's, it's hard to say that, uh, the wrong way to do that is with triple H because working with triple H is always going to be near the main event, right? Absolutely. And, and triple H is one of those characters. <clears throat> he could be a heel yesterday and put him in a match with the right guy. He's a baby face tomorrow. And conversely. That character will fit pretty much scratch and sniff any situation that you need. And if you need to make Seamus a big kick-ass heel, 
Hunter's a great guy. And as it turned out, as this match and this show unfolds, you'll see that I thought, now again, I'm an old school guy and I believe in selling everything to lesser or more degrees, depending on what the severity of the attack is or the strike or the hold or whatever, sell for each other. And as it shakes out, Hunter did a marvelous job and did everything humanly possible to make Seamus later on in this show. And this was a good way to get it started. Yes, it was. And we should mention too, Triple H is going to be finishing a movie here and then going to shoot another movie. So if you're going to, if you're going to do something like this, you know, where a guy's going to be out, might as well get some mileage out of it. Seamus is the right guy for that. Uh, they immediately cut to a promo from, uh, the Miz and big show. They play their unique theme song. Or it's a combination of both guys. And they come out as the unified tag champs. They've not only got the raw tag team titles, but they've also got the SmackDown ones. I loved the way big show would snap them together and just throw them over his shoulder. Really cool. Look, of course, Miz is just covered in gold. He's also the United States champion and he knows how to get heat here. When they're talking about being the greatest tag team in history, of course, show Miz is their name. Um, he's saying he wants competition. Teddy long comes out and Miz cuts him off and says, if I wanted mind numbing incompetence, I'd go to an Orioles game and man, they're all over him. So fun stuff there. Of course, you know, what's happening. If Teddy long's here, we're getting a tag team match player. And, uh, the more Miz protests, the more teams that they have to go through, uh, they get up to three and then he asks for four and big show covers his mouth. Like, Nope, we don't want that. We're going to shut him up. And the, the idea here is they're going to have to defend a, their titles against a series or wrestle against a series of tag teams. And whoever beats them gets a title shot the next night on raw. So the first set of opponents are truth and John Morrison. They go three minutes and 13 seconds. It's a DQ that Meltzer would call just a terrible finish. But before we talk about the match, let's talk about the two teams. We'll start with our truth and John Morrison. What's the thinking in, in this pairing? Obviously very talented individual performers. They've both had great success with other tag team partners. what do you think of those two as a unit? Just odd because there's no history right. and the prize w was so big. No, I agree. Arn. it stuck out to me too. Uh, conversely though, I did like the way the other tag team look. I like the, uh, sort of classic pairing of a quote unquote chicken shit heel who runs his mouth like Miz and then the big nasty heater, the giant big show behind him just to sort of right all the wrongs that the Miz lays out there. I, I feel like it's, uh, almost a tale of two teams, but we get another match right behind it. It's show and Miz this time they pick up a win over, um, MVP. And Mark Henry, uh, MVP is a guy who I didn't realize that, that I miss seeing on TV for whatever reason, he has a, a natural charisma here and to see him teaming up with Mark Henry, that's a tag team that I think could have had more legs. What say you? Yeah. And it was all log jammed. If you go back and watch the match, it was all log jammed in there. There wasn't much time. Mark wasn't featured at all. In that match, it was so short. You know, his MVP got in. He looked pretty good. Uh, and then, you know, he hits his finish on Miz and covers him and show from the floor. And if we back up here just a little bit, but show hits the, you know, the punch, the KO punch from the floor. One, two, three, Miz goes over. But the ref was looking at it. Now, 
the referee is John Cohn, and he's excellent. And as a person, I love him. And as a referee, he's great. Every here, here's where I got a little confused. Everything was introduced. Extreme Rules 2010. Every match, I think the announcer said this will fall under Extreme Rules rules. Right. Correct. Right. Okay, so you get to that first finish. And you've got a triangle choke with Morrison hanging on the outside with that hold hooked. He doesn't break on five. He's got it on show, right? He doesn't break on five, so they DQ it. Now, if everything is under extreme rules, rules, how can you have a DQ? Right. That right away hit me wrong. And I know that... You know, I'm a stickler for for rules and this making sense and that making sense, but you can't have a DQ right there and then turn around in the very next fall and the referee looking right at the giant who's on the floor and illegal and hits a KO punch and you count the one, two, three. Doesn't mesh, does it? No. Now, that may not be a valid point, and I may be the only one on earth that even looks at it that way. No, that's not true. I, I know there's uh, one uh, independent referee in Mississippi right now thinking the same thing. So, you know, you got you to gotta have some continuity. Number one, you don't have to have every match be a falling under extreme rules because it becomes redundant on the number of toys you can use throughout the night. There's only so many things you can use. And when you start repeating yourself, then the show becomes a little redundant. But moving on, you get your victory over MVP, which brings us to our third tag match. Yeah, our third tag match. And this is really what they're looking for. Uh, the music hits and down run David Hart Smith, who we now know as uh, Davy Boy Smith Jr. and Tyson Kidd. And they're going to pick up a win in just 11 seconds. It's pretty cool. Brett's out with them. Of course, Natalia's out as well. Uh, Tyson Kidd's hair is the best part of this whole thing. Uh, he Tyson Kidd looks like he's been manscaped from head to toe here. Uh, but it's it, I love their tag team, and of all the tag teams that we've looked at here, this one feels like it's the most sort of branded and cohesive unit and a marketable tag team, like. The Hart Dynasty to me just looks like, oh, well, this is going to be the future. And it's weird to look back 10 years and know, well, it's not going to last that long. Why don't you think this was more of a hit? I loved Bull Puppy, which is Davy Boy's youngins, what I used to call him, Bull Puppy and TJ. They were a great team. That came along in an era where we were still stuck in too small, too short, too whatever. Those guys were excellent. Excellent team. And it was just one of those deals that they weren't meant to get over. If they would have just been given the proper little shove, and I'm talking a month, was all it would have taken to cemented them in the people's minds as competitors and as a good team that have been off and running and what an asset they would have made. Yeah. It's a shame that we didn't get to see them longer. You know, I would have liked to have seen them have, you know, a 10 minute match or whatever here, but instead we're trying to 
tell a story, I guess, but I just missed the heart dynasty. I feel like it was a missed opportunity and there's no telling what those guys could be doing now. If you know, maybe things had gone a little differently. Uh, the next match here is a WrestleMania rematch It's CM Punk and Rey Mysterio. They'd been feuding for several months, uh, including Punk tormenting Mysterio in front of his wife and children. They wrestle at WrestleMania. Of course, Mysterio wins and that allows him to, uh, or avoid rather the, uh, the step where he would be forced to join pumps, punk stable, the straight edge society. And it's worth mentioning whenever he inducts members into the society, he shaves their head. But of course he keeps his hair himself. And you see that with the rest of his crew, including doc gallows here. Talk to me a little bit about this match, man. They get plenty of time, 15 minutes, 57 seconds. Uh, I liked the match. I don't know that Mysterio's ever had a bad match or I can't remember any three and a half stars here. Meltzer would even call it a good match. There is an interesting moment in the match where, when it looks like Ray's got the upper hand, a chair slides into the ring. The ref is distracted to go take care of the chair. And as he's doing so, Joey Mercury, uh, with a hoodie on, uh, attacks and flattens Ray Mysterio on the floor that allows punk to save the win and his hair. And then he celebrates by sitting in the barber's chair, which is now not going to be used. Pretty cool match. Two really capable performers and a nice little bit of storytelling. I liked it. What'd you think? Yeah, I thought it was very good. Very good match. And about halfway through there or two thirds of the way, there was a spot where, uh, Serena and I think Gallows got involved and the referee threw them out, which was a big pop. You had more match. You're thinking, okay, Ray's going to have to win this thing. It's just one-on-one. And then you had the spot where Joey Mercury rolled out. He shoved the chair in the ring as the referee was getting it out. He did something to Ray on the floor, big, followed up by Punk. Really well-executed screw job. Um, And uh, Punk moved on. He got some good heat off of this match. I think even though Punk had a percentage of fans that, that liked him, Nobody is going to go into a match with Ray Stereo, Ray Mysterio. I'm sorry, and uh, you know, be the babyface. People love Ray, yeah. and they loved him this night. That's for sure. Really good stuff. It's fun to see sort of early CM Punk before he was the top guy, and, and get plenty of time here on pay per view. Um, I do feel like we should maybe mention uh, the Joey Mercury piece. You mentioned it was it was well done, and I thought so too. Joey Mercury is a guy who's been, uh, I don't know, a lightning rod of controversy in the last year or so, but you ran a lot of roads with Joey Mercury and, and I've heard a lot of people refer to him as one of the more underrated trainers in WWE. What are some of the, the finer points of, of Joey's contributions to wrestling in your opinion? Well, Joey was a tremendous worker. He was great with Morrison and Molina. They had a great gimmick. They really did. They had a, Great gimmick. And then Joey, as far as mechanics of a match, you put him, you know, with Jamie Noble and they could sit down and they could figure out how to cure cancer. I mean, that's how smart those two guys are. And um, Joey, technically, no matter what you put on his plate, he could pull it off. He was fantastic. Uh, Once Joey got in that producer spot, and he was part of J&J. Now, we're skipping ahead right. years now. Sure, sure. 
but I'm just talking about the evolution of, of Joey when he came back and he started wearing too many hats more than once. And Joey will tell you that I looked at him and he had that shell shock look. He was being overwhelmed. He was put in that position of pleasing the boss, dealing with top talent, having to be talent, and being involved with maybe as many as five segments on a show. That, that's a plateful. And I used to look at him and would be making a trip, and I would say, Joey, don't get overwhelmed. You look like to me the deer in the headlights. You're starting to get overwhelmed. And as it shook out, he was. And some guys can handle doing both, being talent and like being a producer. And uh, some guys can handle it. Some guys it's just too much for. And it became too much for Joey. And, uh, you know, it was a not a happy ending. And I'm sorry to see that, too. Let's talk about uh, the next match. It's between former partners, JTG and Shad. The former crime time lost the match on April 2nd. And then afterwards, Shad would turn on JTG and attack him. And that sets up a strap match. This is old school storytelling. When uh, you break up a, a tag match or a tag team. Now we've got to have uh, a pretty stiff feud and, and got to have some stakes and some steps. And here we are a strap match. Uh, it gets half a star. What'd you think of this one? You know, crime time feels like almost a, a forgotten footnote in history, but two very capable performers. What'd you think? Well, mechanically it was not, wasn't horrible, but just, you know, it's one of those deals. You split them up, put them on a pay-per-view thinking somebody's going to care. There was no reason to care. You know, they hadn't done anything to actually have an angle and let it melt, melt down and, and start to feel and hear about, you know, what was the real reason they broke up, you know, and, and, and create a story for them. If you don't have a story, you know, just one guy, you know, the bigger guy turning on the smaller guy, that's not enough to get the audience involved. And if you watch the match, the audience just didn't care. And that's a tough position to be in. Uh, you know, the one thing that did stand out, and maybe that was because there was some real heat there, but JTG beat the piss out of the big guy, Chad, with that strap. He was hitting him, I think, a lot harder than Chad was hitting him. And now Chad's a big, rugged guy. I don't know if he even noticed, but I noticed. And it, uh, you know, that part of it, as far as using the strap, was well done. It just, when you have a, a big card like that, you got a lot of big matchups. This one kind of jumped off the page. Is like, mm, don't know if this one was ready for pay per view. It's it's weird because it feels like you know the as we said these are very capable performers. But do you think the crime time gimmick was just doomed from the start? I mean, there was only so much of an upside you could do with that. Uh, did did creative just run its course, or did they get a raw deal just getting saddled with the gimmick? Why don't you think this was a bigger hit? Well, let me ask you this, just common sense, you know, and I'm, I hate going back to common sense. It's boring, but sometimes it makes you go, ding, holy shit, I never thought about it that way. Two thugs out kicking innocent citizens in the face <laughs> and, rob, and robbing them. How is that a babyface gimmick? Yeah. And the videos... 
go back and watch them. That's what they are. Yeah. They're out on the streets, kicking people's head off and robbing them. <laughs> yeah. I don't guess you cheer that unless uh, it's grand theft auto. I mean, yeah. I mean, unless I'm just in a different century and on the wrong planet, that's heat. And that ain't the way it was pushed. So there you are. All right. Aaron, let's run a timeout right now to talk about something we're certain of. There's so much uncertainty in the world right now. Uh, a couple things you can always count on. Number one, uh, we're going to entertain you here every week on Westwood one. Number two, Arn Anderson is going to deliver you a spine buster. If you get your ass out of line and number three, blue cheese is going to get your cock real, real hard, son. You hear me? I'm talking about back when you were always ready to go. You remember when you were a teenager and the fucking wind would blow and you'd be standing at attention. Well, now you can go ahead and throw down, you know, not leaving the house for a little while, tired of playing on the internet, tired of playing video games, get out your original joystick. The first thing you ever really loved it's bluechew.com. And you're going to get the world's first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis. And you can take these motherfuckers anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And because these bastards are chewable, they can work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you're ready to pound pussy whenever an opportunity arises. And if you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, Bluetooth is was the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. I mean, you don't want to be running around here like a limp dick bastard. Do you No. Fucking show everybody in your house who the goddamn man is. Go to bluechew.com and you'll be prescribed online by licensed physicians. So you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package, which is real important right now. But no, when that package shows up, man, it's time to take the beef bus to Tuna Town. You hear me? They're made right here in the USA. And since Bluetooth prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And best of all, there's no more awkwardness. You know what there is more of? Hard dick. I'm talking about hard. You hear me right now. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment for free. When you use the promo code ARN, just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B L U E C H E W.com. And the promo code is ARN to try it for free. Bluechew is the better, cheaper, faster choice to get your cock. So goddamn hard. The neighbors are going to hear about it. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Happy fucking. Next up, we've got, uh, well, a world title match. It's Jack Swagger defending his world title against Randy Orton. Swagger from the SmackDown brand was scheduled to face raw wrestler, Randy Orton here. And then Swagger wins the money in the bank ladder match at WrestleMania and earned a contract for a guaranteed championship match. He cashes in on the April 2nd SmackDown. He defeats Chris Jericho to win the world title after Jericho has been attacked by edge. After a number one contenders match between Jericho and edge ends in a double count out. The guest host of raw David Hasselhoff announced that swagger would face Randy Orton, who had beaten swagger on two occasions in an extreme rules match. So here we are extreme rules for the world title. Thanks to David Hasselhoff. That's a real sentence. They get 13 minutes and 59 seconds. And believe it or not, swagger gets the pin here and he retains over Randy Orton. I think most people watching at home would have assumed this was going the other way. They got two and three quarter stars in the observer. What'd you think? If I was sitting home with no knowledge of nothing, I would have bet the farm on Randy RKO and swagger for, and become a new champion. And let me tell you, you know, Randy, when he's on, he's the best heel in the business. When he's at his best and he's clicking on all cylinders, he's got the right guy to work with. Big time. 
in this match, even being a baby face, it was very physical. You know, I, I, I watched this one very closely when I was looking back at the show and I forgot how good this was. And Swagger, who is a big, rugged, athletic son of a gun, you know, brought it. And it's like, you know, those guys, I don't know if they were about half cocked going into this thing, you know, but they they brought it with each other. And, and I enjoyed the physicality and the violence and the fact that they just had a good fight uh, leading up to the toys. Instead of making the toys the star, they made the match the star. And it felt like a title match. And uh, those guys brought it. And uh, when Swagger, you know, took Randy and countered that RKO and dropped him on that chair and the chair bent the way it did, which led right into the finish and a one, two, three, you know, I think Swagger got over and I think Randy did a great job of getting him over. It was a very good match and very good for the show. Talk to me about Swagger in WWE. It feels like a guy who comes in with a ton of, uh, amateur accolades, probably, uh, one of Briscoe's favorites. And he's got the size that I would think Vince McMahon would be all about. And then for whatever reason, you know, even after a couple of different sort of changes in personality and, and the whole, we, the people thing, it just never really clicked with WWE. Do you think Vince, uh, was, was, was a big proponent of his early push and then lost confidence in him, or was he just willing to try things? Why don't you think swagger had a bigger run or a more sustained run in WWE? I think he was a victim of when they put him with Dutch and they did the, we, the people, which got over. Yeah. And let me tell you, backing up right after Swagger became the champion, I remember, I don't know what town, but he tried to do a promo and the audience was so loud, shutting him down. He never got to say a word, I don't think, but it was real heat and it was extreme heat. And they put him with Dutch, and I think that was portrayed as being too Southern mm. and almost to the point of maybe even being racist. Wow. Now, this is just perception. It wasn't a reality, but it was a perception, plus the fact that they were so good together. Dutch was in bad health. He was having to get to the ring on television with uh, with one of those motorized wheelchairs. I mean, it must have been his hips or back or something, but, I mean, the guy was really in bad shape. And then he wasn't at the live events. It wasn't the same package. What you saw on TV was not what you got in the arena, and it doesn't take very long for something like that to fizzle out if you're not getting the right push. Now, it could have been taken care of better always, you know. It was so hot when it first started. You know, you got to stay on it. You got to fuel the you fuel the fire. You got to keep putting logs on that fire. You can't just build a bonfire and expect it to burn on its own for too much. You got to keep adding wood to it. And, uh, I don't think that was done. Certainly wasn't done properly. And they just missed a chance because Swagger was red hot at one time. Well, now it's time for the uh, WrestleMania rematch, triple H and Sheamus. Uh, they're going to do a street fight here. We should uh, set the stage. I guess Sheamus feels triple H is responsible for him losing the WWE title at elimination chamber. 
So he challenges him to a match at WrestleMania, but loses the next night on raw Seamus attacks triple H with a lead pipe. And it's announced they're going to meet at a street fight here. I get plenty of time, 15 minutes and 46 seconds. They're saying on commentary here, that triple H has suffered nerve damage in his neck and numbness in his hands and pushing that he shouldn't be wrestling, but he is. And Seamus comes out holding the lead pipe and, uh, demands to be announced as the winner by forfeit. Of course, triple H comes out of the doctor's office, barges, open the doors, stomps down to the ring. They get plenty of time. Uh, three stars here. Ultimately, uh, Seamus leaves triple H is on the ground selling and, uh, they put a neck brace on him, bring out a stretcher. He starts to recover, refuses the stretcher, takes off the neck brace. And as he's being helped to the back, here comes Seamus again. Uh, a nice way to, uh, to build a monster heel here in Seamus. Pretty cool to see uh triple H pull out all the stops for him here. I thought this was a good match. What'd you think? One of my favorites. Um, I think maybe saying he had nerve damage that quickly diagnosis might've a little been a little strong being a victim <laughs> of nerve damage right. myself. Takes a little more to diagnose that, but that's neither here nor there. I did think that Triple H sold that left arm about as good as anybody could have or has done over an extended period. He never forgot one time during that match to sell that left arm. He was fighting back with one hand, which is a art. It's a lost art. It's a Ricky Steamboat, Ricky Morton type scenario that very few people can pull off. Shawn Michaels could pull it off. You know, because you get involved in the match and it's time to get get some of your stuff in, you forget about, you know, that arm and you want to use it. Hunter, throughout this match, kept selling that arm and I, that's what made it believable. Uh, and it was just a wrestling match. They didn't lean on toys. When the finish went down and Sheamus had hit like four bro kicks, but it wasn't a broke kick and kick out. I mean, he strung a couple, three of them together. There was one broke kick on the floor. Seamus drug uh, Hunter in, threw him in the ring. He hit another one right behind it. Uh, and then he hit a third and then he hit a fourth. And, uh, but Hunter was propped up in, you know, for the third one, I think he was propped up in the corner. So he just staggered out and ate the last one. It was really well done. And the crowd was shocked. From my from my perspective, on the finish, I don't think anybody believed Sheamus was going to go over in that match, and it was one of those. Oh my God! You know, it's like it's almost no reaction, but but I, I perceived it as being shit. I don't believe that. Now, as they're helping Hunter after he's refused help, and they're finally helping him up the ramp, Sheamus came out and hit that fifth pro kick on the ramp. Right. And there was real heat on that. Go back and look at the reaction. It's totally different from the finish. It went from disbelief to what a son of a bitch. And if if there was any more you could have done for Seamus on this night, I don't know what it would have been done. Hats off to Hunter. He did a great job with it. It's Seamus's night, man. They anoint him here for sure. Uh, the next match is for the women's title. It's Michelle McCool defending against Beth Phoenix. The feud began when Phoenix objected to SmackDown consultant Vicky Guerrero aligning with Team Lakeul 
and refusing to grant Phoenix a title match after earning her championship match. Phoenix is then attacked on the April 23rd SmackDown by team Laycool who hit her with an ironing board and drew on her with lipstick. And that sets up an extreme makeover match for the women's title. Uh, Beth Phoenix gets the win over Michelle in six minutes and 32 seconds, three quarters of a star. I don't know, man, extreme makeover match. What'd you think of this? Uh, unnecessary. You watch the wrestling part of it and Beth, one of my favorite people of all time. She was one of the first girls that was really, I'm talking about ready talent wise. She was ready to take the girls to a different level. She was one of the pioneers and I hope she gets credit for that because I saw the whole evolution of the ladies and Beth was one of the first world-class female uh, performers. Michelle, very good performer as well. And uh, I don't think you needed the makeover stuff with all the makeup. This would have been a match. You could have just had a title match. You didn't need the rules because none of the makeup got used. Right. It got knocked up. It got knocked over. It got spilled. Nobody tried to paint on anybody. And if they would have, it would have just taken away from the match. They could have had a 10 minute match, new champion. Beth could have knocked everybody out there on their ass and went over with her finish. And it would have felt good. It would have been good for the show. It would have did wonders for Beth and the women's division. They just didn't need to put all the bells and whistles on this one. In my opinion. Let's, uh, let's agree on that one. And let's talk about the next match. It's another WrestleMania rematch, which seems to be a theme. It's edge and Chris Jericho to catch you up. Edge returned from injury at the Royal rumble, won the Royal rumble and earned a championship match of his choosing at WrestleMania. Of course, edge would, uh, elect to wrestle then world heavyweight champion, Chris Jericho, but loses. And on the following episode of SmackDown, after being refused a rematch, Edge attacks Jericho, allowing Jack Swagger to cash in the money in the bank and win the title. And after a number one contenders match between Jericho and Edge goes to a double countout, it's announced they're going to face each other in a steel cage here. They get plenty of time, 19 minutes and 59 seconds. Um, Meltzer liked it, three and a half stars. He says, another very good match, although I thought their Mania match was better because it was more wrestling and less climbing. His chief complaint is they use the cage a lot. Uh, it doesn't matter to me at this point because we know what the game is, but to some, all the cage work doesn't fit in with the no blood doctrine. What'd you think of, uh, the match and, and the idea, I guess that we haven't really talked about a WWE style cage match, but when you grew up in wrestling, there was no climbing over the cage. The first one of the floor wins. It's not about escaping. It's about making sure you can't escape. And there was usually a fair amount of uh, bleeding going on in a cage match. And this is a new era. The WWF has always allowed you to climb the cage and be the first one out. And I guess that was a, a way to avoid a pinfall loss on maybe a guy like a Hulk Hogan or whatever. But now in this era, we're not even bleeding. What do you think of the match? And, and then what do you think about WWE cage matches? Well, you got two of the most creative guys in the business. Jericho and Edge. But when the stipulations involve escape, why would my hero ever run away from the fight and climb over the cage and drop to the floor? 
that that looks like a coward to me. Now, heels can get away with that. But the whole premise of a cage match and, and some of the evolution of this industry I am so proud of and so in awe of and, and just thrilled to see how the business has evolved as far as athleticism and and, and just incredible things story-wise and, and physically that these kids can do on the, the male and female side of the ball. But the fact of the matter is a simple story with a cage. Now, going back to the day, bad guy kicks the dog shit out of the good guy several times, several times. And when it looks like the good guy is going to get his comeuppance, the bad guy takes off and runs. So, okay, let's put him in a cage where the bad guy can't get away, and it's everybody on earth knows it's payday, and it's time to get locked in like a criminal or an animal or whatever you want to, however you want to look at it, but that bad guy is in dire straits, and he don't like the situation he's in, and the good guy comes in and shuts that door behind him and goes, okay, here we go. And what happens afterwards is payday. The bad guy gets slaughtered. And you get a one, two, three, and he's bleeding to death, and everybody's happy. And you blow that angle off, and you move to the next. That wasn't broke. Didn't need to be fixed. That whole premise Absolutely worked. And you can still get a one, two, three. You can beat the beat a guy half to death, step on his chest on the way by if you're the good guy, and walk right out the door and get your same pop. It wasn't broke. There was no reason to have, you know, how many nights I saw John Cena running and crawling over the cage and hanging there and getting pulled all the way back over. It just is one of those deals. Now you start looking at, okay, where the problems come in with this rules that, that we have these days, okay, good guy goes up top, bad guy goes up top, they're fighting. Uh, let's just say the bad guy gets knocked back into the ring. What is to prevent that guy from dropping down and walking right across the ring and getting out of the cage if a guy takes a bump off the top? He's hurt. There's all kinds of things. Guys that get over the top and they're sitting there hanging by their fingernails and the guy's a little too late and he doesn't get up there in time and he, he reaches over and he pulls him back over when the guy could have just let go and dropped. It's not better. In my mind, it does not make for a better scenario. But that's the rules of WWE and they think that's great and uh, it's their company, so it is what it is. I think the old style of cage match is a lot more self-explanatory and a lot more gratifying for the fans. No argument for me. These guys, as you said, though, uh, did their best here. Pretty good. Uh, pretty good outing. Uh, Mouse would say edge worked over the ankle with moves that aren't over to the WWE universe. So they didn't get over as much live as they would have to the TV audience with what told the story. Of course, edge gets the pin after a spear. Uh, and then it's time for our main event. And this is really, uh, 
I mean, these are the two studs of the company at this point. It's John Cena and Batista. You know, there'll never be another Rock or another Stone Cold Steve Austin, but this is sort of this era's version of Rock and Austin. Uh, it is another WrestleMania rematch. This time it's a last man standing match. Following WrestleMania on the April 5th Raw, Batista would attack Cena after the match, and then it's announced that Batista would receive his rematch in a last man standing match here. Both guys get huge baby face pops coming out. Cena is actually booed more than Batista during the match, but it's not overwhelming. Pretty loud, you tapped out chant going towards Batista. Uh, they get plenty of time 24 minutes, 34 seconds. Uh, there's even times where Cena locks in the STF and Batista's tapping, but of course that doesn't matter. It's a last man standing match. And, um, the finish is pretty creative. Why don't you explain to everybody what the finish was? Before we go to this match, can I put one little footnote on the previous cage match with Jericho and edge? Absolutely. And this is just, you know, for me, it's just, I know what it was, but when I go back and watch it, it even hammers the nail even more. There was a point in that match where Jericho dropped edge, walked over to the cage. They opened the door. He stepped out, got on the first step. Now it was clear that he could have won the match, but he looks back at edge and he steps back through and says, no, I'm not done with you. Had the announced team just simply said, oh, Jericho's in full control now. He don't want just this kind of victory. He wants to go in and just torture Edge, punish him. He feels like he's got such an advantage there. This is probably going to be over, and it's going to be nasty. If you would have put a little more ill intentions in Jericho's mind, other than hammering the fact, and they all jumped on it. He's stupid. How stupid is he going to be? This is going to haunt him. They gave the finish away, and they made Jericho look like a dumbass, other than being a vicious prick that's got a guy hurt, and now he wants to go in and have his way with him. That would have made that a much more pleasant viewing situation. Hearing it for the first time, don't you think? I do. Uh, let's talk about the announced team. It's a different version of an announced team we've seen. The biggest thing that sticks out about the announced team is Matt Stryker, who's of course no longer with the company. He's doing some independent stuff. And I think he's done some AAA stuff. Um, he's been a polarizing figure as a commentator. what do you think of Matt's commentary work? I, I thought Matt did a good job, but this ain't on Matt. It's not on the announcers. You know where that came from? Vince. The same guy that buried sting when he wrestled honor right big fish in a little pond it's just another example of being fed lines that do not add to the match just burying a guy to be burying him that whole scenario of match would have changed if they would have just backed it up because the scene was set that all they had to do was Talk about what they're looking at. Edge was down selling, looked like Jericho could have easily walked out of the cage, decided he, he double backed and he wanted to torture this guy. It would have just gave it a different feel. And uh, I just wanted to, you know, to just express that because that's how easy things could be fixed. If, if 
everybody was on board. Okay. No, I'm with it. Let's talk about Matt Stryker for a minute though. You said, Hey, that's not on Matt, but I do want to talk about Matt as a commentator. He he's not long for this world, but I, I always enjoyed his work. And I think, you know, he got a little bit of criticism once w- during a match when, uh, someone came back as a surprise return and he yells, I'm marking out or something like that. Was he, was he just too inside for Vince's taste? I mean, he, he clearly uh, had his fans online. Why don't you think he was, uh, a better fit for the company. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, in an era where we're trying to make things more solid and, and more believable and more credible. And, you know, I just think Matt went a little bit too far onto the entertainment portion. I think he's a damn good announcer. You know, I would watch him, you know, after, after the run he had there, you know, he ended up on Lucha underground. I thought he did a good job there. Um, you know, he's an intelligent guy, smart guy, young guy, you know. He uh I thought he did a good job with commentary. He was uh his style of wrestling might have been at the wrong time. Maybe it was a little too soon, maybe it was ten years too soon, who knows? Let's talk about the main event. Back at it. You got uh Batista and John Cena, last man standing, pretty creative finish. They pull out all the stops here. Uh, but the big finish comes when, uh, uh, pretty creative, Mr. John Cena manages to, um, get Batista down on his stomach, crotches his leg again, his, his, uh, crotches himself around the post and then has, uh, Batista's legs sort of dangling out underneath the post and he ducks tape Batista's legs together, making it an impossibility for Batista to answer the 10 count really a fucking ingenious finish. I loved it. What'd you think? It was ingenious. Who came up with that? Oh, is, hmm. this, is this your idea? Son of a gun. I'm going <laughs> to take credit. I'm going to take credit for this one because I can damn sure remember this one. And if you go back and watch that match, these guys drop some serious bombs on each other. If there was a time, because one, two, threes, got to remember, covers don't count. Right. STF on, tap out, doesn't count. The only way to win the match is you got to do something to a guy so bad that he stays down for a 10 count. This is the place to exhaust your finishes. And if you're going to throw your finishes away, it's really not as bad if you've got a little bit of a pause and then the count starts and it's really, you got 10 seconds to get, just get to your feet. doesn't mean you're going to do anything offensive. It just means you got to get up, you got to get on your feet. And these did a great job. They blew up a couple tables. They blew up a couple of announce tables. You know, and uh, the last time Dave went through that announce table, oh, my God, it was an AA, one to the other, I think. That thing just exploded, and he pulled himself up and slumped in that announce chair, and that's what heels do. He looked like a guy that had enough, that was ready just to say, hey, piss on this. He said it without saying a word. I'm done. And just him slumped in that announce chair, unable to follow up with anything. It's God, that's that's that look and that's that thing that feels, you know, feels like a heel 
who has brought it, has had 50% of the match at least, but he has had his ass kicked, and that's what bad guys do. When it's level playing field and they're getting their ass handed to them, they want out. Hey, where's the back door out? And that's what Dave did with his gestures, and uh, it just helped John. And uh, once uh, it was pretty clear that neither one was going to keep either one down for a 10 count, that's where we came up with the nutter on the post, taped the ankles. Dave couldn't even reach his ankles to get done. And the, the fit that he pitched, knowing that he was screwed again, it helped endear the audience to John because it made him look clever, almost a little bit evil. And John needs that from time to time because he is so clean cut and he is the guy that does the right thing and is a, a hero to the kids. This just gave him a little bit of a slick, clever deal, another guy, and then tape him to the post. We thought it worked. It did work. And it put the button on a hell of a match because they, before that, had half killed each other. We need to remind everybody that right now is the time to keep your finances in mind. There's so much uncertainty in the world right now, but there is one certainty, and that's we've still got bills. And you're probably paying interest on some of those. And now is the best time ever to keep more of your own money. If you've got credit card debt, I encourage you to pay that down to zero, but do not close your cards. Now, normally... I would tell you, no, get rid of your credit card debt. It's the worst. Things are different now. You need to pay your balance down to zero. And then if you can get your credit card provider to up your limit a little bit, it sure would be nice just to have a little extra cushion just in case. If you don't have three to six months of your personal bills set aside, you're probably feeling extra stress right now. Now is the right time to endeavor to start saving that money. Here's the problem. If you wait until you have some employment issues, you can't go borrow money. If you go down to the bank and you say, Hey, I'd like to borrow $5,000. Cool. Let me see your two most recent pay stubs. Well, I'm laid off. They're not going to loan you the money. You've got to have the ability to repay. That's sort of the cosmic joke of the lending business. The people who need help the most, you can't help because they're out of work. If you still have your job, but you also have credit card debt, you need to get rid of it as fast as you can, but don't close the cards. You also need to build yourself up a personal reserve. I know a lot of people preach you need to have an extra thousand dollars. You're probably going to need more than that right now. I'm going to encourage you to figure out what your household budget is. And let's set aside three to six months worth of those bills. Now I can help you with all of this. If you're a homeowner, I can get you not only a better rate because rates are still great, but you can even skip your next two house payments. So what we're talking about is no house payments for May or June. You're done until July and come July 1st, maybe the world looks a lot different, but if it doesn't, I can make sure that when you close, you get three to six months of your personal bills and cash back that you can stick in a separate savings account and just use it in case of emergency. I can also help you pay your credit cards down to zero, which is probably going to save you several hundred dollars per month, but it frees up that credit. So if things do happen and life throws you a curveball, you're good to go. Let me see if I can help. Let me run the numbers for you. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket, but we're still here ready to hook you up. Get yourself a quick quote right now at savewithconrad.com. And again, you don't need perfect credit. Even credit scores in the 500s can be approved and you don't need money out of your pocket. This is no cost, no obligation. 
If we can't save you money, we won't waste your time, but we're licensed in more than 40 States. And if you're in a 30 year loan, if you've got credit card debt, if you have a second mortgage, if you don't have some money set aside, now is the right time to take a look. Let us run the numbers just in case. It's also worth mentioning. We offer a seven year guarantee where if your needs change in the next seven years, we'll help you refinance again without paying a whole new set of lender fees. Find out how easy it is to save a bunch of cash for your family and talk to my family at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender, savewithconrad.com. Talk to me a little bit about your inspiration for that finish. You know, we know that it's, that it's Arn Anderson's idea, but how do you come up with, uh, well, fuck, let's just duct tape his legs together. How do you come up with that? I start with what makes sense and what's plausible. And if you're sitting out there in the 10th row and you look at something, is that believable? Is it credible? God, it's so simple, but in a match that you could literally take a chair out from under the ring and bash a guy's brains out, you could bring a lead pipe, you could stack tables three deep and put somebody through them. It's all things that have been seen and things that have been done. The simplicity of putting a guy in a position as he's selling his cojones and tape him to a post that there's no way on earth he can reach back and get himself free. The simplicity of it is what made it work. And it was, you could, some people could say it's so anticlimactic to all the violence, but it's a fitting end because I've seen all the violence I can stomach for one night for eight matches, people hitting each other with things, People putting each other through tables, hitting each other with chairs, hitting each other with pipes, ironing boards, you name it. This was the button. This was the bow. This was the one that made sense. And there's, when you look at it, it is what it is. It's pretty ingenious. Talk to me a little bit about when you come up with this, when do you present it to the guys? Is this something when y'all all get to the building you know, at one o'clock call time or whatever, and everybody makes their way out to the ring. Y'all sort of talk through it and you say, what if, or do you come up with this stroke of genius a few days ahead of time and, and start texting guys saying, Hey, what about this? No, I wanted to wait till we were all face to face so I could get an, uh, honest reaction to it. Them hearing it for the first time, because, you know, guys will talk to other guys and guys will talk to, uh, other producers or, or if you give them a chance, they will talk themselves out of something that initially they thought was a good idea. I don't want to get a bunch of cooks in the kitchen for this because I had never seen it. It was so simplistic and the, you know, the fight they had had before previously, you know, had led us to this place. Something needed to make sense and, and you can, you know, it's okay to, to AA somebody off the top of the stairs through a table, but I've seen it. This thing I'd never seen, so I saved it till we all got there face-to-face. It was just the three of us, and we were talking about it. And um, without anybody to uh, come in and overthink at it and, and look at it differently um, than the way I saw it, it was just very simple. John had run out of options. Hey, how about this? And it just stuck long enough to keep the guy down. 
And uh, that was the first conversation we had with it. And thank God we didn't overthink it or rehash it. They had already had the big stuff in their head. This was just the last piece. And they seemed to be happy with it. And uh, it helped Dave and it helped John. Let me ask, do you, um, do you remember their reaction when you, when you told it to Cena and Batista, were they grinning ear to ear and as excited about the idea as you were? I think John looked at me and went, I love it. And I think I looked at Dave and he started laughing, <laughs> which was, which was a good thing. So when you come up with a finish like this is, you know, we've never really talked about sort of the behind the scenes process of how that would work. You know, I know you guys are giving finishes of, Hey, this guy's going over or whatever. And it's sort of left to you guys from what we understand the three of you, y'all to sort of come up with, Hey, how do we get there? Once you come up with this idea, do you have to run it past the chairman or does he see it for the first time when everybody else does? Oh no. On a match that big, you know, John would, John made it simple. John could pretty much do what he wanted. John had free reign. We would get it worked out, get it smoothed out to everybody's uh, satisfaction, and then he would go in, see Vince. Here's what we got. What do you think? I could have went in with the same idea, and him looked at me and went, that's fucking stupid. Why would you do that? And John go in with the same idea, and he went, that's brilliant. So John went in, pitched it. He loved it. And uh, that's what we did. Even in, every, even in 2010, did, did, did Cena know that, Hey, if Aaron pitches it, it's going to get shut down. So I'll go do it. Did he know that he had favoritism, but maybe you didn't. Yes. Yes, he did. And he got a lot of stuff put through that I couldn't have, but I had the task of it. And that's where the frustration came in. You know, it's like, okay, if I'm responsible for this match and I'm responsible for helping teach this kid and groom him and put him in a position to make these big decisions, you know, on big matches and draw money and and lead this company, um, you know, I got to have some leeway, some free hand. I got to be able to try my vision. Otherwise, don't put me in charge of it. You know, um, you said before that maybe it wasn't even in, on our show. Maybe it was just me and you talking one day, but you said, you know, Vince got down on me and when Vince gets down, gets down on you, there's not much you can do about it. We know that your relationship with the company comes to an end in 2019 was Vince in your opinion, already down on you here in April of 2010. Uh, yeah, well, no, I don't think so. Not yet. I'm going to say. I want to back out about five years. And when I really started to notice it, uh, was about five years out from, you know, around 2015, I was like, uh, you know, getting blamed for things that, that, uh, were out of my control. I was, um, getting blamed for stuff that, that myself and four top talent or five top talent, like in a tag match. And, you know, uh, like, let's just, just say Randy, Randy Orton and, uh, and, uh, Bray Wyatt were partners. 
and they were getting over. If you remember that time, they yeah. were getting over strong. And, of course, you had the other Wyatts on the floor. I mean, this was one of those combinations that you went, my God, these guys may win the tag titles and never lose them, ever. And they were getting hot, and they were getting really just, you know, good as a team, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But we would do stuff that we knew was get heat during a match. We'd lay some stuff out, and we would do some clever stuff using the guy on the floor. And, man, we would come back and just get chewed out for it. And uh, no one could figure out why. What 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 are we getting chewed out for here? When he would voice, you know, his opinion, he would say, "Guys, that's babyface stuff." Wait a minute. Let me get this. Let me get this right. You get into a scenario where you bail out to the floor, and a babyface is chasing you, and your partner distracts the ref, and the guy on the floor kicks his head off behind the referee's back on the floor during a chase, and that's a babyface thing? That's an example of the stuff that I used to get, you know, creamed on. And, uh, you know, I'd go backstage with the talent, and we'd look at each other, and it was like it was sad because we knew what had happened was good and how hard that we had worked to, to perfect it and get it right and... Uh, he hated it, and I think it was more of a situation that uh, the more you speak up, if it's not what the creative is, other than being taken as you just having a different point of view, it was like somehow it was the producers against the writers, and it was like some kind of good versus evil thing. Instead of us just trying to make the show better, make the product better, but it maybe it has a different slant than what was written. And I can sympathize with those guys being up half the night writing shows and uh, trying to get them passed and trying to get them put through their ideas and all those things and getting shot down. You know, we're on the other side. Um, same thing with us. We get, you know, if you get a great idea, that doesn't mean you can put a great match with that idea and make it work. Sometimes you could take a lousy idea and get through it by just good, solid work, even though it was a bad idea. And when, if you point out, I don't know if I do that and here's why, and it goes around the room and it comes back. Okay. We're going to go with what was written week after week, time after time. You get to the point where, why am I racking my brain? No, I understand. It's uh, I can only imagine how frustrating it is, you know, to especially in, when John Cena's here. You're entrusted with sort of the golden goose, but you still feel sort of neutered. Uh, let's talk about the the actual pay per view. The Reader Poll and the Wrestling Observer gave this show. 49.6% thumbs up, 18.7% thumbs down, 31.7% thumbs in the middle. You watched it back this time or this week for the first time in 10 years. What'd you think? Thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Um, if you would have put a, 
easy fix on the Beth Michelle match, made it just a title match. Jericho and Edge, a little difference on the on that commentary may seem minute to some people, but as it turned out, Jericho was called a dumbass by the announce team, and it turned out he was a dumbass. That could have easily been fixed. Easily. If you tweak those two things, I think it helps the show overall. Thought the Hunter uh, match did a lot for Sheamus. Thought the main event was excellent. Um, I'll put it somewhere in the 60%. So we'll count that as a thumbs up. The best match poll, CM Punk and Rey Mysterio, they come in first place. John Cena and Batista, they're in second place. The worst match poll is uh, the crime time match, followed by the tag team gauntlet. It's worth mentioning the next day, uh, the Hart Dynasty would win the tag team titles from Show Miz. So, as much as we loved them, they did get their shot. It was also when they did the draft. We'll talk about that another time. But I got to tell you, Arn, I enjoyed going back down memory lane here and talking about this pay per view. I guess we should mention too, I think the uh, buy rate here is 182,000 buys. So, it's down from the prior year. But some of it may have been because it was filled with mostly uh, WrestleMania rematches, but you know, I'm a big fan of the Hart Dynasty. I loved Punk and Mysterio. Randy Orton's one of the all-time greats. Triple H was doing his best to put over Sheamus here. A cage match with Edge and Jericho. Last man standing, John Cena, Batista. This is a big-time pay-per-view and one that I don't know we've paid a lot of attention to, but even if it was just for the story of the uh, main event and the duct tape, which I didn't know until we clicked record, uh, this was a fun show to revisit. I appreciate you taking time to do it with me today. Uh, yeah, I loved it. Hey, I enjoyed going back and watch it. I enjoyed the Swagger and Orton match too. I thought it was very good for both guys. And just a, you know, just a side note is uh, all these talent bust their ass. They work very, very hard. And when you're either in a TLC match or an extreme extreme rules match, I hope everybody out there, whether you're in the business or you're in the audience or you're sitting home and you're watching, I just hope people realize how hard these talents work and these producers and agents work to have eight matches, have no rules, which is what extreme rules means, and to be creative enough to come up with something in each match that's not redundant. They have to put a lot of thought process in it and just the risk of injury. Steel chairs are steel chair, guys. Make no mistake. And uh, and it hurts. And sometimes when you go through those announce tables, they don't blow up just right, and they hurt. And I just hope everyone appreciates on a, on a show like this just how hard everybody works to give them the the audience the best viewing experience possible and it's out of pride and what they do and love for the business and, and uh love for the fans and uh basically just love what we do for a living so this is a special show with some special stipulations and i just think everybody should be aware of that well, we hope you're aware that every other week here on the show, we're doing hashtag ask Arn anything, and you can ask Arn anything next week right here on the show. If you'd like to ask Arn a question, be sure to follow us on Twitter. It's at the Arn show. We'll have something pinned to the top where we're asking for your questions and look forward to getting your questions. You could have also heard this show very, very early. If you had joined us on adfreeshows.com. not only will you get the shows early, but you'll also get them ad free. 
uh, and a lot more perks, including some bonus content where uh, most recently myself and Aaron talked about the backstage fight between big van Vader and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. There's going to be more bonus content coming your way and you can join in on all the action for starting at just nine bucks. Get all the information at adfreeshows.com. And we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that orangeshirts.com is still live and kicking. And we've got some fun shirts over there. I know that you've gotten loaded up at your household, Arn. Uh, my favorite, though, uh, we recently had a discussion about uh, the Rat Patrol. We now have a T-shirt for that. We've also got, uh, it looks sort of old school, maybe like something Oli would have worn on TV in 85 with iron on letters that says, I worked hard for this body. Of course, it goes up to like a 5XL because that's just fun. Uh, recently, Chris Jericho mocked you on uh, Dynamite and said you're your play card thing looks like a waffle house menu, Well, we've got an enforcer house shirt that looks like the waffle house logo. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about WrestleMania 31 and, uh, you hadn't quite put together that the play button at the bottom was the play button. So we've got in your honor, an Arn don't play t-shirt, which feels like something that the neighborhood kids need to know. Well, I know what the play button means. Nobody was was clear about it. Like my son showed me, hey, there's the play button. Yeah, I get it, but well, that that was supposed to be featured. <laughs> I mean, that's the big deal. That's the pop. There's the play button. Really? And I'm the moron. Well, I love it. Go get it. Arn, don't play. Uh, it's not about you not understanding the play button. It's about, you're not here to fuck around. You'll spine buster a some bitch. If that's what they need, check out the shirts, orange really excited to have those shirts, some really fun ones there. And uh, join us if you can at adfreeshows.com. But most of all, leave us a review. If you think we've earned it and, uh, go ahead and hit the subscribe button and tell a friend about your new favorite podcast. It drops every Tuesday right here on Westwood one. It's Arn. Hello. Good afternoon. Uh, is this Mr. Richmond? I've been telling you for a long time that SaveWithConrad.com can save you money, but don't take my word for it. Yes, it is. Hi, this is Dave Silva. I'm calling from Save With Conrad. Hey, how are you? Doing good, my friend. Doing good. What made you go to Save With Conrad in the first place? Just doing the, the ads on the podcast. My wife and I were in a place where we thought, you know, let's see what we can do and, and check out different companies. And I said, well, I've got this one. So... I went on and, and the rest was history. We, we loved it and we stuck with it and thankfully they stuck with us and, and it worked. That's wonderful. Was there something specific that Conrad said on the podcast that kind of helped you make that decision to give us a call or email us? Skip two payments and, and you know, he'll, he'll find you the lowest rates and, um, and it came at a great time. We actually did it a couple months before Christmas so we got to have no payments for December, January. So that helped out a lot with Christmas shopping. We've got a two-year-old daughter. so. Any money that we could have put towards her that we didn't have to put towards the house was a good thing. How was it working with Derek? Oh, he was great. Uh, sent him an email at like six o'clock at night and he almost immediately called us and we put him on speaker and we, we hashed out what we needed to hash out. It was just the constant availability was, was great. Do you have any suggestions on how we can improve as a team for any future people we were able to help out? Keep going how it's going. I, everything is going so well and I mean, you guys helped us out so much and, and saved us money, and, and it just it couldn't have come at a better time. So just keep up what you're doing, and, and thank everybody for all their their efforts in it. Do you remember how much money we were able to save you? Um, I think overall it ended up being about four or five grand just off the top. I mean, we we had a credit card that we had run up, and we 
should not have got it to the point that it was at. And we were able to roll that right in with the house payment. So our credit card right now is at zero, which is wonderful. Plus, then we got the two house payments. Plus, um, I think they ended up saving us like $2,500 extra on top of it. So it ended up being a, a significant hit of money to us. So it was it was definitely what we needed at the time. Now, would you recommend us to a friend or a coworker? Oh, yeah, Kev. Oh, great. That's wonderful to hear. So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the 500s can be approved. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and did I mention you can skip your next two house payments? Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.